Sports Wrap. Good evening to you. Welcome to SAFM Sports Wrap this evening. Thank you very much to the Money Web team. They're back on your radio tomorrow evening. Coming up on tonight's show, we chat to Paul Adams, former pro tier. Preview tomorrow's second one day international between South Africa and India. We'll also touch base with former Springbok Henny LaRue as we look ahead to this weekend's rugby between the Springboks and Wales in the quarterfinals of the Rugby World Cup. And Bruce Davidson will join us to chat a little bit about Kevin Anderson and what has made the difference for the South African as he moves into the world's top 10 in the latest rankings this week. But we start with some football news. Bafana Bafana coach Sheikh Mashaba has made three changes to the squad that will face Honduras at the Olympic Metropolitan Stadium. Chabalane Shongwe, Ayana Potosi and Kamohelo Mokocho are in for Bongani Zulu, uh, Zungu. George Labisi and Sibusisu Vilakazi. The match scheduled to kick off 6 p.m. local time in Honduras. That's 2 a.m. South African time tomorrow morning. Black Leopard striker Robert Nyundu has been added to Bafana's Chan squad to face Angola for Saturday. After missing out on qualifying for the FIFA Women's World Cup that took place in Canada a few months ago, Banyana Banyana captain Janine van Veek has conceded that the team is under pressure to qualify for next year's Rio Olympic Games. She was speaking at their last training session at Marks Park Grounds in Johannesburg this morning before they jet off to Equatorial Guinea tomorrow where they'll play their last qualification match for the Olympics on Sunday. The first leg finished goalless a week ago and van Veek doesn't need to be told on how tough things are going to be in Barta on Sunday. Obviously a little bit of pressure on us, um, nerves, but it's, it's good nerves. Um, we have to do it for ourselves, we have to do it for our country that stood behind us, Banyana Banyana that supported us, and obviously we need to do it for the coach because I, th- I, th- I really feel that she has done so much for women's football in this country, she has done so much with the team until um, this far, so um, she really deserves something to, if she does you know, end up um, not coaching us anymore, she needs to say, you know what, at least... Um, took them to the to the Rio Olympics. Speaking of the coach Vera Powell, she emphasised that it's not all about Olympic qualifying. There's a lot more at stake this weekend. It's not a, a race between coaches. It's a race for players to change their lives. It's a race for players to get on the world stage and to show people what they can do. Uh, to build a future for the next generation of girls here in South Africa, to have a, a future of professional football. On to rugby now as the Springboks continue to prepare to take on Wales on Saturday in the quarterfinals of the Rugby World Cup. Patrick Lambie says there hasn't been an increase in pressure on the squad now that they're into the knockout stages. The box crashed out at the same stage in the last World Cup and Lambie says they're doing everything in their power to ensure that they don't come home this weekend. That was one of the, the lowlights um, of my career so far. Obviously we, we had a huge expectation it was very disappointing. Yeah, so I guess you know what that feels like and definitely don't want to repeat that that feeling. But uh, we've been in knockout stage or knockout phase since round two, so um, I think for the, for the whole group the, the pressure's pretty much the same. Lambie was the starting fly-half the last time Wales played South Africa. That was in November last year. The Welsh won on that day, but Lambie says they're only focusing on what's to come on Saturday. Um, I think that what happened in the past needs to stay in the past. Um, yeah, I think that Saturday is the, the only thing that counts now. Obviously, we'll have a look at, at what happened back in Cardiff in November last year and try and learn from those experiences. We wanted to focus on ourselves and things that we do well. Um, 
Sound putting a good performance on the weekend. In other World Cup news, winger Eli Walker has been called up to Wales. The squad in place of the injured Liam Williams. There's been another massive blow for Ireland. Skipper Paul O'Connell has been ruled out of the remainder of the tournament with a hamstring injury. In Curry Cup news, Western Province have made eight changes to their starting 15 for their Curry Cup semi-final clash against the Blue Bulls on Friday. On to cricket now, Shoaib Malik scored an unbeaten 124 and Mohamed Afiz added 98. That guided Pakistan to 286 for four at stumps on day one of the first test against England. And some ODI actions, Zimbabwe were dismissed for 187 in the third one-day international by Ireland in Arari today. In reply, the Irish reached 189 for eight. And they claimed a two-wicket victory and end the three-match series 2-1. There was a shock exit for defending champion Roger Federer at the Shanghai Masters today. Tom Bartlett has more. Spanish left-hander Albert Ramos Vinolas has recorded his first ever win over a top 10 player, sending Federer packing in three sets. The Swiss maestro had looked to have wrestled back control of the match when he drew level, but Ramos Vinolas found another gear and surged home with a fearless approach to claim a shock 7-6-2-6-6-3 victory in just over two hours. Federer narrowly avoided an early exit 12 months ago before he went on to win the title. No such fortune in 2015. Meanwhile, South African Kevin Anderson has celebrated his elevation to the world's top ten with a straight-sets win over German Tommy Haas. Anderson overcoming some discomfort in his shoulder at the end of the tiebreak to close out a 7-6-6-3 win. He will play Italian Fabio Fonini in round two. Day four features the powerhouse trio of Novak Djokovic, Andy Murray and Rafael Nadal. Nadal's meeting with Croatian big server Ivo Karlovic could be the pick of the action. Tom Bartlett for SAFM Sport, Shanghai. Staying with tennis news, up next on SAFM Sports Wrap, we chat to Bruce Davidson. SAFM Sports Wrap. This is South Africa's news and information leader and a big week for Kevin Anderson this week, uh, breaking into the world's top ten for the first time in his career. And uh, it has been a lifelong goal for the South African. A lot of hard work has gone into it. And we join now by tennis promoter Bruce Davidson. Bruce, welcome on to SAFM Sports Wrap this evening. Uh, very, very impressive performance this year in 2015, particularly by Kevin Anderson. See him, uh, sees him make that move from a career-high 12th uh, in the previous rankings to 10th this week. Phenomenal. I mean, it's been a while since we've had a, a South African in the top 10 in the world rankings. Absolutely, Brad, and you quite rightly said it in your introduction. It was a, a, a long uh, a dream and aim and objective of Kevin. He spoke to us earlier this year and said that his objective by the end of the year was to be in the top ten, and he believes strongly he can be in the top five of the world. He's competing well against the, the world's best, and he's had a stellar season, which saw him uh, win a, t- a title just before the U.S. Open, we saw him get to the quarterfinals of the U.S. Open, his first Grand Slam quarterfinal. Obviously, he got to some finals and semifinals. So all in all, a great year. And when you have a year like that, uh, the rankings take care of themselves, which he always said would. Bruce, what do you think has been the difference for Kevin this year as opposed to previous years that's seen him uh, make, make such big leaps and, and, and strides this year? I think um, he's gained a little bit more experience playing at the top level. Um, when I say the top level, he's been playing at the top level for a long time. But when you start competing at uh, the tail end of tournaments and you play against the world's top 20, 25 on a continuous basis, you just tend to play better. Um, there seems to be a very good uh, um, um, synergy between him and his coach, Neville Godwin, a former South African Davis Cup and professional player who seems to have 
um, mastered how to work with Kevin. He's got his wife now traveling with him, which uh, was something relatively new. Um, he just felt that he'd be more comfortable like, like that. There is a sports psychologist that he's got to working in the last couple of months, which seems to have made a huge impact on Kevin because he refers to it all the time. I just think Kevin is in a pretty good space at the moment. And uh, when you're in a good space and, and, and you've got good people surrounding you and uh, there's a lot of positivity, I think uh, it makes a, a very big difference. Bruce, at top-level sport, and it's, I don't think it's exclusive to cricket, I think uh, the, the margins are so small from the best in the world to, to the top 20, but I think a lot of it lies in the mental side of things. You, you touched on the sports psychologist. That, for me, is probably a big thing. If you look at the way Kevin has played, he almost has a bit more belief now than what, what he used to have maybe a season or two seasons ago. I, I fully agree. I mean, Kevin has been up there, and he's, he's played some really big matches um, um, even prior to working with a sports psychologist. But I think that the sports psychologist has just got him, um, as you said, making um, sure that he really believes he can win. And I think a prime example was that winner for Andy Murray at the US Open. Andy Murray really wanted that tournament back. He had been into that uh, tournament really um, saying that he probably is uh, one of the favorites. He was playing the best tennis of his career. And all of a sudden he gets uh, thumped out by a person like Kevin Anderson. And, you know, when you see that big match that Kevin Anderson had against Djokovic over two days at Wimbledon where he nearly beat the world number one, it was a fast-hit thriller, that gave him huge confidence as well. I mean, there's been a few tweaks to his game, uh, Brad. There's been a lot of more aggressive play. He's been working more consistently on the return, and he's made sure that his serve is on song. Those are all, uh, you know, compiled together. But the one thing that I think is very important, Rafael Nadal was saying yesterday that any player in the main draw, any player in the main draw um, that he doesn't want to beat is Kevin Anderson. So it seems as if that is now the big thing. Kevin Anderson has got the respect, and I think that's what uh, has really taken him up forward. Yeah, that's a feather in his cap indeed. Bruce, you, you mentioned Kevin's got ambitions to, to get into the top five, and it's, it's almost the, the law of diminishing returns when you get to this stage in, in professional sport where you are almost at the top and you're trying to get better. What does Kevin Anderson need to do to, to go even further, to get into that top five? Well, he's only reached one quarterfinal of a Grand Slam, and that is the US Open. If you look at all the other Grand Slams and the Masters series, he hasn't really done that well in those tournaments. Now, all he has to do is get to a few quarterfinals, and then he's right up there. And I think that he's got uh, a, a big chance there. He's finding his ground in the bigger tournaments. And um, I think that it's going to you know, be, be quite simple for him to move up from number 10 um, if he can start playing more, uh, consistently in the big tournaments. And, the, and, you know, when you go into a year like 2016 and only got to one quarterfinal, and that was in New York at the end of the year, you know that the Australian Open, French Open, and Wimbledon tournaments all have a big opportunity for you. You're now seated at a position where you're not going to meet the big boys early. And, boy, oh, boy, we could see him uh, climb up those rankings quite quickly. Bruce, what do you think this is going to mean for South African tennis, and particularly youngsters coming through the ranks now, watching Kevin Anderson and seeing him performing and getting into the top ten? I mean, it's been a while since we've had a, a South African role model who was up there. I mean, we've had we've had lots of players who have performed okay, but but they haven't been world class. And Kevin Anderson's proving that he is. 
Absolutely, and it's, it's huge for South African tennis. You know, Tennis South Africa sent him a, a letter of congratulations as soon as it was announced that he was number 10. The president, Gavin Crooks, made very sure of that because they know what an asset he is to the game, despite all the controversy around Davis Cup. The little kids know that Kevin Anderson is, is, Kevin Anderson is a South African. He goes out there playing as a South African. The flag is on the court next to his name. And also, now that he's now climbed into the top 10 of the world, there's going to be more... Kevin Anderson on national television because obviously the show court matches are the favorite matches that are shown and he's going to be on those show courts. So that's going to hugely boost um, the game in South Africa, that a South African is on television. And I think our young kids are going to realize that there is a hero that they can look up to that now is competing with people like Nadal, like uh, Federer, like Djokovic, and who has their respect. Absolutely. Bruce Davidson, thank you so much for joining us here on SAFM Sports Trap this evening. Much appreciated. Yeah, we're extremely proud of what Kevin Anderson's done, and we look forward to seeing him uh, in the years to come, and hopefully he can break into that top five. It would be amazing. Thanks for your time this evening. We look forward to catching up again soon. Thank you. Hi, Luis Ogola here. I, I don't know if you guys uh, noticed, when there's lighting outside, people are quick to switch off their appliances. I'm plugged from the wall, everything. It's like my grandmother, Joe. When there's lightning, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, switches off, unplugs, zips everything. Because she believes that the goggles from Limpopo are having a dispute and are using very vigorous methods to get to a resolution. So she does not want to get involved. She doesn't want her microwave to be damaged because Limpopo people are having a fight. Now what? confuses me is that Elcom is constantly telling us, guys, switch off, switch off, switch off, switch off. But my grandmother won't even flinch. She doesn't listen to the Elcom messages. But there, there be lightning outside. Everything is off. <laughs> I don't need lightning to be striking my house for me to switch off. I mean, I just switch off. I switch off whatever I don't use. And you people from Limpopo, please stop fighting. Please, please. It's affecting everyone. Please, guys. Sometimes we forget exactly how many appliances and devices are actually in our homes. So imagine how many there are in over 15 million households in South Africa. Now consider if every one of those households simply unplugged unnecessary appliances or switched off the light when they left the room, especially between 5 and 9 p.m. There would probably be more than enough power to go around. Makes you think, doesn't it? SAFM Sports Wrap. Well, a big game in store for the Springboks on Saturday. It's the first of the quarterfinals at the 2015 Rugby World Cup. They take on Wales. And we join now by a man who knows what it's like to face such pressure uh, for the Springboks. Henny LaRue joining us now. Henny, welcome on to SAFM Sport Trap. Thanks for, for taking the time to chat to us this evening. With uh, just uh, four, four days to go to this quarterfinal, how would the box be feeling right about now? Yeah, Brad, obviously uh, the nerves will start edging on. Um, you know, this is make or break. It's uh, out of the pool stages and into sudden death. Uh, you know, you've got to be on uh, on top of every game now and uh, make use of the opportunities that come come your way. So, yeah, I, I'm assuming they, they're fine-tuning what they need to and, and the focus levels are, are, are reasonably high. Henny, looking at uh, the, the final games, particularly that one on Saturday between Wales and Australia from a, from a South African point of view and, and in my opinion I think uh, the box would probably rather have faced Wales than, than Australia, we've got a much better record uh, from a percentage wins wise against Wales but uh, last time we, we played them, November last year uh, they go on over us so it's not going to be easy 
No, no. Wales have, have, have uh, grown steadily over the over the last couple of years, and and uh, they are are a, a worthy opponent in in all forms. Uh, you know, I don't think past records uh, can really come into play where we really dominated uh, in in most aspects. Uh, I think Wales can 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 really be seen as a as a proper contender after their performance against England as as well. They do have one or two. Uh, small issues in the sense of the number of injuries that they have had and uh, I think that is going to break a little bit of their momentum but the tenacity and the character of that side is is, is quite special and uh, they r- remain a foe to contend with. And even though they lost to, to Australia, they'll take a lot of confidence uh, out of finishing second in that group as a group of death. England aren't, uh, aren't a bad side either so, so to make it through to the knockout stages they'll let their tails up. Yeah, they will. And, and uh, you know, Australia are, are probably playing the best rugby of most teams in the tournament, in my opinion. And uh, uh, if they have a real hard look at that game, they'll they'll probably identify one or two opportunities that they missed out on, probably decisions or option taking. And I think they'll they'll favour themselves uh, in, in going into this game with with a real opportunity of beating South Africa. That being said, and you, you mentioned the the injury concerns for Wales. I mean, they they've been extremely unlucky, and not just in the tournament, but in the build up to the tournament, losing some of their uh, their frontline players. How much of an effect will coming out of that group have on Wales? W- would it be a case of they, they've been battered and bruised? I mean, Fiji, England, Australia, uh, not easy encounters, and now they've got to face a, a very physical South African pack. Will that be to their detriment, or will they come out of it battle-hardened and, and in really good shape heading into this weekend? Yeah, look, I think uh, the number of games that they've had at the level they've had uh, is going to start playing on them, and and I think it's to South Africa's favour that they've had to go through this this tough couple of weeks. Um, So so South Africa need to to knuckle down and and, and get physical, you know, in the first minute and and grind them down and, and, and make sure that they... Um, you know, feel a little less comfortable on the field uh, than than they have previously, and the only way to do that is to play the typical South African rugby, where we make sure we dominate the you know the tight phases and the tight loose phases. Um, uh, once we we psychologically get over them in in that department, it's really going to be a question of of how quickly and how accurately we execute. And uh, and make use of the opportunities because they they defend very very well. Let's talk about the box and and particularly from a selection point of view. You talk about that that tight five and how vital it is for them to to dominate. Uh, we we've seen uh, obviously Victor Matfield's uh, picked up that injury, but uh, Luit Diag has been probably one of the box players of the tournament so far. Ibn Etzebeth is a, a very very physical player himself. What does Coach Shana Kamea do in, in this sort of case? Does he start with, with a Victor Matfield if he is fit and ready to play, or does he use him as an impact player even though he is 38? It's a, it's a tough call to have to make as a coach with those two youngsters putting their hands up. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think ultimately in this particular game we need to uh, concentrate on the physicality of it and uh, we need to you know really get into the, the tight phases. So... Um, probably the right thing, as you said, has been a revelation, and uh, uh, the two locks are, are building quite a nice reputation for themselves as, as, as uh, players who who don't hold back and get stuck in. And 
you know the tackle numbers from Lewis is, 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 has been uh, exceptional as a lock. So, so from that perspective, uh, you know he's, he's commanding a lot of respect. And uh, from a player perspective within the pack itself, particularly if you if you need to to do the hard minutes uh, in the first uh, 40 to 60, uh, I'd probably go with the two youngsters. Let's look at the back line and uh, sort of w- w- what we can expect. Uh, have you been I- impressed with what you've seen from, from Andre Pollard so far at, at number 10? Yeah, look, I mean, uh, Andre you know, had one or two really good games and then the aspects to do to the game that uh, is, is kind of left wanting in the sense that uh, his combination... Uh, with his centres is not quite uh, as fluid as one would hope it would be. He has a, a great breaking ability. He wants to take on the advantage line and he does that really well. But there seems to be a lack of communication between the lender and him in terms of, of, of doing that collectively and, and together. You know, they're not creating gaps for each other, which, which ultimately breaks down in, uh, in the continuity aspect of, of uh, attacking the advantage line. Um, so from that perspective, you know, there, there, there are a couple of questions to ask. There's no question that he's got the talent and the ability. He's physical. He, he does what needs to be done. The accuracy of kicking you know, needs to be there. But uh, ultimately, it's the flow in the back line that, that's not operating at an optimal level at this stage. It's probably not a fair question to ask because I think I know what the answer is going to be. Henny, which way do you see it going on Saturday? No, I think South Africa should, uh, you know, particularly the injuries that Wales have had, uh, you know, if, if South Africa go on the right frame of mind, I, I do believe we will beat Wales. And can France do us a favour and down the All Blacks? That's never an even possibility <laughs> knowing France and, and, and New Zealand, so uh, we'll hold thumbs for that because I think, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, the French tend to be a little bit volatile and uh, I think uh, if, if New Zealand, uh, you know, don't dominate them in the early phases and, and, and get well ahead of them, uh, they might just come up with a, a surprise or two. It's going to be a fantastic weekend of rugby. I can't wait. Henny LaRue, thank you so much for your time once again here on SAFM Sports Wrap. I uh, really enjoyed chatting to you. Look forward to doing it again soon. Excellent. Thanks, Brad. Keep well there. This is Sport on SAFM. Every supporter's greatest resource. You're listening to SAFM Sports Wrap. I'm Brad Brown. Don't forget, you can be in touch. SMS 34701. Those SMSs are charged at one rand. You can also find us on Facebook or Twitter. Just search for SAFM Sports Wrap. Time to chat some cricket now. And uh, South Africa's tour of India continues tomorrow. It is the second of five one-day internationals. And uh, it's a pleasure to welcome former pro tier Paul Adams onto uh, SAFM. Paul, welcome. Nice to catch up once again. Good day. All well, thank you. Paul, perfect start for the Proteas to this uh, very, very long tour of India. They've wrapped up the T20 series, but they got the one days off to a great start on the weekend. Yeah, superb start by the boys. I think it's uh, important that we really um, started the way we have um, because uh, India is always wanting to, to pull into Africa and, and really to show that what they are about at their home. home. And so... The pressure's all on India. I think the press is also starting to put pressure on MS Downey now, and uh, and we just got to keep our foot down and, and make sure that we, we keep dominating the Indian side. 
they are a team who who thrive on on confidence, and if they're playing well, they're difficult to to beat. But they they on the flip side of that coin, when they're struggling, they they really do struggle. And and like you say, it's important to tighten the screws. Now we've got uh, sort of a foot in the door. It's it's time to drive home that advantage. Yeah, it's just you you get that belief when you when you start winning your first game and you set it up and. People always put question marks as you go away and into India. It's a difficult place to tour, but for South Africa, it's, it's, I think it's, it's a great start. Um, Indians have also suffered the injury with Ashwa now with the side strain, so he's been a big part in their bowling attack. So South Africa can can really look to to stamp their authority on this tour, and I think it it will be a historic one if we just keep playing the way we we have been, and and it will lead well in going into a test series. Which is, which is always a tough one to go. Paul, you, you mentioned Ravi Ashwin, who's, who's picked up that side strain. They've brought Habajan Singh back into, into the squad. He's a, a wily character, and uh, he's also one of those bowlers who can be, can be particularly dangerous when, when things go his way. Yes, Habajan's got vast experience, um, but I think it's still a massive blow for India and losing Ashwin. He's been... Um, really playing well over the last couple of months, and he's been their go-to man. So for Havajan coming in, it's going to be a bit of pressure, but um, but for him, it's, they, they, they're going to lead to that spin of Mishra and, and Havajan. So to, for us, it's, it's, it's important that we, we just look to, to, to keep playing the positive way we have been, and I think, uh, um, and really just backing a lot of the players, and, and the guys have been playing a good brand of cricket, um, and going out there and playing really well. From a spinning perspective, if you look at the game on the weekend, Imran Tahir got uh, the, the vital breakthrough when we were under pressure in those final overs. Uh, he once again proved he's, he's a massive asset for the Proteas, not just as a as a containing spinner, but as a, as a wicket-taking one. And and it's amazing to be in that position for, for a long, long time. South Africa struggled to find uh, wicket-taking spinners, but uh, Imran Tahir is, is truly one of them. I think Imran over the years has been um, very much uh, an attacking guy and, and looking to take wickets and I've always felt within those middle period overs and especially when you get to the subcontinent now, you've got to have that mindset of how are you going to take wickets and even towards the back end there, we had overs left on Imran, um, the pressure was still on there if we just bagged one or two wickets and put pressure on the, the lower order, middle order of India and which we did. Um, and he's, he's got that capability. He's shown it in the past what he can do. Um, and he just uh, he's, he's a wholehearted cricketer who backs himself to to take wickets rather than to contain. So it's important to keep having that sort of mindset as you as you keep playing in India. Paul, looking ahead to tomorrow's game, from what you saw on Sunday, wh- where do you think the Proteas need to tighten up and improve a, a little bit? I mean, it was a, a very, very good performance on Sunday. There, there, there can't be too many areas where they need to improve on, but uh, where, where would you say that we need to tighten up if, if we're going to drive home that advantage over India? Look, I think it's, it's, it's departments that are showing glimpses of what they can do. I think in the T20 series, we showed what up front, if we get our bowling in spot on, uh, we can take wickets and put India immediately under pressure up front. I think in the past game you had Rohit Sharma bat through and then later we showed the spark of taking wickets and, and putting the Indian side under pressure. So I think it's just important that we, we really just stick well to our game plan. Um, I think in the batting department we've been batting really well as a, as a unit. Um, the guys have been setting up partnerships and then and setting up innings is with some aggressive batting towards the end with guys like A.B. De Villiers coming in and just playing and, and taking games away from opposition. So 
Um, I think for all different situations, it's just making sure that everyone's on the button when they walk over on the park. I think we've got that, that group of players that can play in situations and, 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 and really adapt and play an aggressive brand. Fahan Bayadin has, has really come into his own as well. I mean, he struggled when he started his international career, but uh, the T20 series he contributed, he, he did again on the weekend. He is turning out to be key for the pro tiers, particularly in, in that middle order, and to, and to finish innings off. Yeah, he's playing really well. I think he's, he's slowly getting the confidence and, and getting that stage of understanding what he has to do at, at, at certain stages of the game. Um, and I think that just comes from, from, from giving him time, giving him confidence to play and not swapping and changing. Um, I think it's always uh, a key sign for, for teams not to panic with young players when you, when you give them that opportunity. Uh, make sure you back them by, by letting them play in it and, and giving them situations and, and seeing how they go through those pressure periods. And, and Fahan at the last couple of, couple of games, he's, he's really showed what he can do. Um, and he's played those pressure situations really well. I always get excited when youngsters come into the squad who, who just really stand up and be counted. And for me, Kahisa Rabada is definitely one of them. He proved again on the weekend that uh, I think he's going to have a, a long and, and, and very prosperous career. Well, what's your take on the youngster? Yeah, no, I've, I've, I've seen Kahisa come through. And um, I've been on a tour with him last year with the A-side. And we could immediately see that there's, there's something there with Kahisa. And he's a calm and collected guy. And he understands very smart cricketer, thinks a lot about the game. Um, and he's got the skill to back it. Um, I think it's, he's, he's one of those guys that we, we really got to look to cherish and, and, and play and make sure we, we look after him. Um, he's he's going to be a real big asset, which we can see already. He's a big asset for the team, um, and I think in all formats. Excellent. Paul Adams, thank you so much for your time this evening on SAFM Small Trap. Enjoy the cricket tomorrow, and we look forward to catching up again soon. Thank you, and take care. You're listening to Sport on SAFM, the next best thing to being at the game. Well, that's about it for SAFM Sports Wrap this evening. We're back again tomorrow at 6.30. Don't forget to be in touch. You can uh, reach out on social media. Just search for SAFM Sports Wrap on Twitter or Facebook. We'll have uh, more sport for you tomorrow morning on AM Live with Janet Witten. Make sure you tune in then. And have yourself a wonderful evening. Coming up on the other side of 7 o'clock, it is the Talk Shop. And uh, from myself, Brad Brown, and my producer, Siobhan Chetty, have yourself a wonderful Tuesday evening, and we'll chat tomorrow. Cheers.